0: One of the many things I love about this church is that I frequently find hand-drawn cards on the pulpit. So imagine my surprise this morning when I walked in and found hand-drawn everything all over the sanctuary. These gifts warm my heart. And one gift in particular from a child in this church stands out in my mind. A few years ago, a child came into the church office uh, and she was helping her mother there in the middle of the week. And there's not a lot that's exciting in a church office, but she asked for paper and scissors, and then she very intently cut the paper into tiny circles and rectangles. And then she came into she came into the sanctuary. And she put all of these paper circles and paper rectangles into the offering plate. I'm making money for the church! How would our lives and our church and our world be transformed if we all became like the youngest of children, giving so freely, taking what we have and creating, and making, and sharing for others. I think that this desire to give and to share is imprinted on us as part of how we are made in the image of God. Because humans are pro-social creatures. U.S. psychologist Peter Gray writes, In a series of little-known experiments conducted in the United States, nearly every one of more than 100 infants ages 12 to 18 months spontaneously gave toys to an adult during brief sessions in a laboratory. And in our culture, such joyful and voluntary giving by infants is not much commented upon, but in at least some hunter-gatherer cultures, it is celebrated similar to how babies' first words are celebrated in the United States. For example, toddlers in one hunter-gatherer band were invited to participate in the band's food sharing by carrying food from one hut to another, which they did with great delight. This band taught that no human trait was more crucial to their way of life than the willingness to give or share. Their survival depended on it, and so really does ours, if you stop to think about it. I love this celebration of giving. How we celebrate every act of giving and every impulse to share. Rather than just receiving some glitter-stained pieces of artwork and going, oh great, now there's glitter everywhere. Instead, too often, we in the United States... We act like slightly older children, so not these like up to 18 months, but the slightly older children who negotiate for a raise in their allowance or yell mine or assume that we possess all the things in our lives that we, because we touched it first, that it's ours. My friend's three-year-old went into full meltdown mode when their church did a giving calendar that asked them to give away something every day for 40 days. And the three-year-old cried, people don't need our money. I need money to buy toys. If our giving nature is part of how we're made in the image of God, then our possessive nature which also shows up very early in life, is part of how sin distorts this image. Our desire and calling as Christians is to return to the fullness of who we were created in God to be. Unsullied, undistorted, the image of God in us. And so we're constantly on the lookout for how God's image appears in the world, noting when this image of God is distorted and celebrating when God's image is restored and renewed and breaks through once again. This is one reason why we do God sightings. And I'll add—did he leave the room? Nope, he's still here. Well, I'm just going to embarrass you for a second, Mitchell. One of my God sightings is that Mitchell doesn't earn a lot of money. He's a college student. College students don't earn lots of money. And yet, Mitchell lives with this open, generous hand and heart, constantly asking, What does the food pantry need? Or, How can I be of service? What can I do? And so that's one reason why I called on him to do the God sighting this morning, knowing he wasn't going to brag on himself, but that we can see God in every person who takes what they receive and then just shares it with others. We can also call these God sightings wow experiences. And Craig Gilliam writes Looking for wow experiences is about looking for the positive looking for those things to celebrate, looking for strengths, for the cracks in the door, watching for the divine at work in the everyday. When I focus on wow experiences, I find them. And with them, I find new energy that helps me deal with the daily challenges I face. We look for wow experiences. We look for God sightings. We look and look and look to see if we can recognize the gifts all around us. Now, I think that very young children's tendency to share comes from their practice of receiving. And sometimes, as adults, we don't do a great job of receiving because we want to earn, we want to deserve. We don't want to be indebted to others. Children don't worry about those things. Children are 100% dependent on the adults around them and receive everything in life as a gift. Just think about our first home, the uterus. I've been thinking about the uterus a lot lately. But this connects us to the placenta the organ whose sole purpose is to share. When not giving and sharing, there's no need for a placenta. When not giving or sharing, there is no placenta. And after birth, children remain dependent on others for food and safety and security and love. And it's only as they get older, when we begin doing things for ourselves, as my sister said as a toddler, do it self," all the time. It's when we stop receiving everything that we begin to possess and claim and hoard for ourselves. But when we're receiving, and in a posture of receiving, we know there's enough. We trust there's enough. We're willing and ready to share with others. So Jesus calls us, in this scripture passage, to receive the kingdom of God as little children. I think this means that we're called to receive the kingdom of God as a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it, no way to purchase it, no way to deserve it or merit it. The kingdom of God is just pure gift and sure we can refuse it we can refuse any gift but it's still a gift not a reward and i think when we can grasp this reality of god's new creation then perhaps we can grasp its reality for every single part of this current creation that everything is gift This month, as Mitchell shared with us, we're talking about budgets as moral documents. And we're going to look uh, next week about spending through a moral and ethical lens. But before we do that, I invite us to consider that little line at the top of every budget. That little line that actually determines what is able to follow. Income. How do we understand what it is that comes into our lives? Because before we even think about the spending side of budgets, we have to recognize the source of what we're spending. Because when we look at the spending side of things, uh, we'll include giving and charity and a few other things like that. But we can never outgive God. Because 100% of what we have is gift, undeserved, unearned gift. And ultimately, how much money we earn is an accident of history. Were we born to wealthy parents? Were we born citizens so that we can pursue higher education and be paid above the table rather than below? Did our generation live through a depression or a recession? Did we buy a house right before the market crashed? Were were we born white in a country that practiced white affirmative action through real estate policies and redlining? What did our families and communities teach us about money? Were we born descendants of slaves, people still waiting for reparations? All of these questions point us to how there's so much out of our control, so much that determines our wealth and our income that aren't entirely connected to what we earn or deserve. And yes, there are individual decisions that we make that contribute to how much, how much we earn and accumulate, but the latest, latest research shows that individual decisions pale in comparison to external factors. Recent studies show that even when controlling for income, education, and other factors, race is still the primary determinant of how much wealth one has. And I say these things not to make any of us feel guilty at our privilege or demoralized at our lack of privilege. Rather, I think it's an invitation for us to reflect on what is in our control and what isn't. Much of what we are given, much of what we have, is not within our control. Rather, what we do and how we view what we are given is within our control. Today we're going to celebrate communion. And when we celebrate communion, we come forward with our hands out. And we receive The bread and there's nothing that we can do to earn the bread and the juice there's nothing we have to do to be good enough for god all it is is gift and we come with a posture of receiving and say thank you god for these gifts And before we come to say thank you, God, for these gifts, knowing that as we receive, God is transforming us into the body of Christ, we have what we call the great thanksgiving. So we give thanks for all of these things in our lives, and then we give the great thanksgiving when we share, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've done for us. You've given this communion to us. And it's all gift, all of it. And so I invite us this day, and this week, and this month, to look at everything in our lives and see gift, to say thank you, and then to ask God help me to receive as a little child and restore in me the gift of childhood where I want to give to others all the time, not worrying about whether it's too glittery, not worrying about how it will be received. But I'm just going to receive from you, O God, and share with others. Amen.